0: have an exciting study about healing this evening as we continue looking at one of the first promises of healing in the book of Exodus, and um, I'm looking forward to sharing with, that with you tonight. But before I get started, let me be sure and remind you to be faithful with your tithes and your offerings this evening, especially remember missions. Last night, Becky and I had the real joy and privilege of participating in the state of Michigan's missions commissioning service and the young couple that we prayed over is having a baby and and hopefully that baby will be born on the mission field as they begin their itineration and we're so excited for them but literally there were couples that we were praying over last night that they're going to the four corners of the world and I am so thankful Thankful, thankful for God raising these young folks up. If you didn't get to watch our daily prayer update today, go to my page, my Facebook page, a little later on. Maybe it's on the Woodland page already. Uh, and and I, you know, just take a few minutes and listen to that because we were both very excited about what took place last night, and excited about the message that. Uh, Our World Missions Director for the Assemblies of God, Greg Munda, shared last evening. Well, I know you want to get right into the Word, so let's agree together. Let's pray tonight. Why don't you share this with your friends on Facebook right now or YouTube? Share the service, and let's study the Word of God together. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you with all of our hearts for everything that you've done for us. We thank you for the wonderful promises of healing. And Lord, I can't think of a time when the world at large needed to know this message more than what we need to know it now. So as we go to the word... I just ask for your help. I ask for the illumination of your Holy Spirit to help us understand and to apply this message to our hearts. For it's in Jesus' holy, holy name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. If you got your Bible or you're following me along on the app, let's go right now to the book of Exodus, and <clears throat> I want to read you the same passage that I read last week. It's great review. It's where we still want to anchor our thoughts tonight, and we may actually come back to this next week as well. Now remember, the children of Israel had been grumbling and complaining. After all the miracles, almost immediately after all the miracles that God had done for them, what was in their hearts began to come out. And I found that to be true. You know, when you do life for people for a certain amount of time, you begin to see what's in their hearts. And so let's go to the word right now. Moses led the people of Israel away from the Red Sea, and they moved out into the desert of Shur. Now, anytime you see the word desert, you know there's going to be some trials and difficulties, and I bet you've been through a few desert experiences in your life as well. They traveled in this desert for three days without finding any water. Doesn't mean they didn't have water, but for that many people not finding water yet, that was a real problem. Well, when they came to the oasis of Mara, now notice that word oasis, I, I didn't take time to explain this last week, but anytime you see the word oasis, that's a, a lush place. I've been to oases in the desert in the Middle East, and you know, you're traveling across all this barren land, and then all of a sudden you see this lush green, and there's fresh water, and you really can't wait to get there. So they came to the oasis of Merah after three days in the desert, and the water was too bitter to drink. What a disappointment. What a letdown. Have you ever seen something that promised so much good and it turned out to be bitter? Well, that's what this oasis was. So they came to the place. They called the place Mera, which means Bitter. Then the people complained and turned against Moses. It wasn't Moses' fault. I mean, they're following God's plan, and they come to a bad place. And sometimes we're following God's plan, and we come to a bitter place. We come to an oasis. It's not what we expect. And when we look back and remember that, we name it, maybe unfairly, we name it after our bitter experiences. I bet there are places you've been that you had a bitter experience. It wasn't the place's fault, but you just remember it bitterly. Or maybe there's something that's happened in your life. It caused a bitter experience. God wants to give you healing from that and help you overcome that. So let's keep continue reading. They complained and turned against Moses. What are we going to drink, they demanded. They didn't pray. They didn't petition. They demanded So Moses cried out to the Lord for help. Now, as a leader, I understand this. Moses, this may not be as much an act of faith as it is desperation. Have you ever been there where you've just been desperate? Moses cried out to the Lord for help, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. Moses threw it into the water. This made the water good to drink. It was there at Marah that the Lord set before them the following decree as a standard to test their faithfulness to him. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week pardon me, last week, God will let you come to some bitter experiences so that you can learn a lesson from it. God will let you come to some disappointing experiences to teach you a lesson. The fact that we have a bitter experience doesn't mean that we're out of the will of God. The fact that we find something and we see something that looks so promising and so attractive, and when we get to it, it's not what it promises, don't count God out. Don't look to the oasis to solve your need. Don't look to the water to solve your need. Don't look to your job. Don't look to the health care. Don't look to the country. We always look to the Lord. Our eyes are always upon Jesus. And that's why this was a learning experience. So the Lord said, if you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands, keeping all of His decrees, Then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. First thing I want you to see tonight is healing is a covenant gift. Healing is a covenant gift. Now those two words are very important. The word covenant is a contract. And in the Bible, it's much more than a contract. It's, it's an agreement between us and God. And God stays faithful to his covenant even when we are not faithful. And that's one of the beautiful, beautiful stories of the Bible, that if we are faithless, he remains faithful. If we are unfaithful, God remains faithful. In a covenant between human beings, if one of those human beings breaks the covenant, if they break faith, then Typically, legally, that covenant is, is able to be dissolved, done away with, broken. But God remains faithful to his covenant that he makes with us. But there are covenantal agreements. God says, if you will do this, I will do this. That's what we call, and we've talked about this many times at Woodland, conditional promises. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves turn from their wicked ways, if we'll seek his face, God says he will hear from heaven. So the if and the hearing is conditional upon our humbling ourselves, turning from our wicked ways, seeking the Lord, and God says he will even heal the land. That's a conditional promise. But here in the covenant that God makes with us, God gives us a gift of healing. And as we go on, we won't get to talk about it tonight, we'll talk about that spiritual gifts of healing that take place in the New Testament, and I can't wait to get to that part of the study. But a gift is something you don't earn. A gift is something that's given to you, and all you have to do with a gift is receive it. Now, if I don't trust the motivation of the giver, I might not accept the gift, I can tell you that in my ministry, which is approaching now, you know, getting close to 50 years of ministry, I have had people offer me gifts that I've turned down because their gifts have come with conditions. Their gifts have come, they wanted this, or they wanted that, or maybe they wanted a position in the church, or maybe they wanted my endorsement for something I wouldn't endorse. And so it's important to understand the motivation of the giver. Well, we know that all of God's motivations to us is good. We know that his motivation is to bless us. We know that his motivation is to give us hope. We know that his motivation is to give us a future. But we also know that God's motivation is to save and to heal his people and to bless us with peace. So in the covenant, God brings a gift to us in the covenant. It's the gift of healing. Notice in the New Testament how this is applied to us. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. That's why Christ is the go-between of the new covenant. He's the mediator of the new covenant, in other words. Now, those God calls to Himself will receive the eternal gift he promised. Do you remember when you were convicted of your sins? Do you remember that conviction you felt? You knew that you were a sinner. You knew that you needed God's grace. And as you accepted Christ's sacrifice for you at Calvary, as you sacrificed, accepted what he'd done for you, he gave you forgiveness and eternal life. Notice what it goes on to say in Hebrews. They will receive it now they will receive it now. If you're at home and you don't feel embarrassed about it, say that word now. They will receive it now that Christ has died to save them. He died to set them free from the sins that they had committed under the first covenant. What's it saying? That the sins that we've committed, God died to, Christ died to set us free from those sins, and he brings us all the benefits of the atonement. It brings us not only forgiveness of our sins, but He brings us healing from our diseases as well. And I know that brings up a lot of questions, and I hope to be able to answer some of those. So stick with me right now. If you've got a question, write it down so you don't forget it. But let's stay and just follow the logic of the word here. Secondly, what I want you to see tonight is that God's promises flow out of His love. God's promises flow out of his love for you and for me. I think that's one of the important concepts when we talk about salvation, when we talk about healing, when we talk about the second coming of the Lord, God's heart is constantly pouring out in love towards his people and towards his church, even pouring out in love for the lost people of this world, for Christ died for us while we were still his enemies. Look at these verses that I've highlighted tonight for you in your outline. I praise your name for your unfailing love and faithfulness, for your promises are backed by the honor of your name. Would you look at that? Look at how God's love is described, unfailing. God's love is unfailing. I know that you've experienced from time to time some hurt in your life where someone said they loved you and then later said, I don't love you anymore. I've had people sit in my study and go, I just don't love them anymore. I've had people say, I don't love the church anymore. I don't love the Lord anymore. All kinds of things that people have said to me through the years, but God's love is unfailing love. And we're not talking about a a passing interest. You know, I used to love to ride motorcycles all the time. And I use that word love importantly there. I I could say I liked riding motorcycles. I could say I enjoyed riding motorcycles. But I actually, I loved riding motorcycles. I loved riding on trails. I loved riding on the highway. I loved learning to hill jump. I loved all of that stuff. I enjoyed it. But that part of my life is over when I used to enjoy doing that. And by the way, since I'm saying that, this has nothing to do with the message. Please keep your eyes open for motorcycle riders. Watch for them extra careful. I remember being told at the Cleveland Clinic at this time of the year, there's so many deaths from folks riding motorcycles because motorists aren't paying attention. So let's watch out for our friends who are riding motorcycles this evening. But now it's just not a love for me anymore. It's not passing interest, but when I talk to you about loving the Lord, now that's a totally different relationship. When I talk to you about loving my wife, that's a totally different relationship. When I talk to you about loving this congregation, that's a totally different relationship. I pray that my love for the Lord, and I believe it will, will always remain unfailing. My love for my wife will always remain unfailing. My love for our congregation will always remain unfailing. One time, one of my children came to me and asked a question because his friends, were going, his friends' parents were going through a divorce, and he says, "'Daddy, will you ever divorce my mother?' And I just looked at him and says, "'No, of course not. I love your mother. I love you. I love the Lord. I can promise you I will never divorce your mother.'" And he just clung to me and held me because of the security that that gave him. And I've watched him become a wonderful dad and a wonderful husband in his own right today. I've watched him love the church and love the ministry of the church and serve in church. And I look at that. It's not because I'm a great dad. It's not because I was a great husband. It's because God's unfailing love to me transformed my heart and tra- <coughs> pardon me transformed my life. God's love is, also, is unfailing, but so is God's faithfulness to his promises They're unfailing and they're backed by the honor of your name. It's why I hate to hear people use the name of the Lord in vain. It's why I hate to hear the name of the Lord used in blasphemy or when somebody gets mad and rather than saying Jesus with love, they just say Jesus Christ or something like that. Friends, his name is revered. His name is to be honored. So God's covenant love God's covenant love includes a gift of healing. It flows out of his heart of love for us. Look at Daniel 9, 4. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and confessed, Oh, Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant. He always keeps his word, and you keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands and then if you'll look one more time at Psalms 145 and verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. You rule through all generations. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. And friends, I'm going to tell you, when it comes to healing, just like it comes to salvation, God always keeps his promises, and his love is unfailing. I know that's brought up another question. So write it down, hang on to it, and I hope to answer that tonight. The third thing I want to point out to you is God's covenant of love is a lifestyle of health. Now that's where the kicker comes in. God's covenant of love is a lifestyle of health. Last night after the mission service, and all of you that know me, you know that I'm generally in the bed pretty early at night. Well, we didn't get out of church last night uh, until almost 10 o'clock. And then I was stopped in the parking lot several times with people wanting to talk to me or ask me a question or something like that. And So as we started home, neither one of us had eaten that day. And the only thing open was, you guessed it, a McDonald's. And I'm not going to lie to you. I McDonald's that I had last night was delicious. And I enjoyed those French fries and I enjoyed that diet Coca-Cola as well. And I know that my food Nazi friends that are watching tonight or watching later, you're going to go shame, shame, shame. But last night, my wife and I were hungry. She needed to eat. I needed a little bit of nourishment. And so I don't think that last night broke her lifestyle of health. But I remember riding down the highway, munching on that quarter pounder, thinking, oh, this is so good. And so believe it or not, I've still not eaten yet. So believe it or not, this evening, I thought, you ought to run by and just grab another quarter pounder. That was so good last night. Well... I refuse for two reasons. One, I enjoy good health. I am thankful for God's miracle of healing. We're going to talk about miracles next week. I'm thankful for God's miracles of healing, but... The fact that God promises a covenant lifestyle of health to us doesn't mean that I can practice poor health habits or poor dietary habits or lack of exercise or involving myself in so much that I don't keep Sabbath or I'm not resting or things of this nature. So the covenant, the covenant, if you'll read the, the Old Testament carefully, the Old Covenant was a lifestyle of health. Over and over, doctors and and others who understand these matters better, better than I do talk about not only the hygiene, not only the dietary laws, but all the other laws of the Old Testament. They were all about a healthy lifestyle. Now, a healthy lifestyle is not why we serve the Lord. We serve the Lord because he saved us from our sins. But the lifestyle that God prescribes for us is a healthy one. It's not one where we obsess over our health. I mean, it's not one where we, we, we are like some folks that just, you know, they're so obsessed over their health that they're, they're consuming truckloads of vitamins. They're always at the gym. They never take care of their inner life. Maybe they neglect their family or their other responsibilities because they're trying to take care of their body. The covenant doesn't mean that we won't age and get older. The covenant also means that there won't be times when we are sick. But the covenant says that we have to practice a lifestyle of health. Look at Isaiah thirty-eight verse sixteen, and I have to thank my wife for putting me on to the, to the, the the Holman translation of the Bible here. Lord, because of these promises, people live, and in all of them is the life of my spirit as well. Now, before I read that last phrase, look at this: because of these promises, people live. Because of God's promises. But it's also because of the covenant promises that God gives to us. And in all of them is the life of my spirit as well. It's not just my physical health, but it's my heart health. It's my inner health. It's my spiritual health. You have restored me to health and let me live. I am one of the people that can read that to you and testify that when I was sick and there was no hope, God restored me to health and he let me live. But the greatest miracle in my life is not the healing of my physical health. The greatest miracle in my life is what we looked at just a few minutes ago of how God restored my soul. He changed my life. He changed my desires when he forgave my sins. You see, fourthly tonight, unhealthy attitudes are at the heart, are at the core, are at the center of human sickness. And that's what we have to begin to understand. It's those unhealthy attitudes that are at the heart. Let's go back, if you would, back to Exodus chapter 15. When they came to Merah, they could not drink the waters of Merah, for they were bitter. Therefore, it was named Merah. Now stop before I go any further, because this is important. I know that I'm living and walking in the will of God. I know that. I don't want to spend 10 seconds outside the will of God. I don't want to spend five seconds outside the will of God. But here's the key thing. Living in the will of God, when I come to a place that doesn't promise me what I had hoped. I mean, when you see an oasis, you hope for sweet water. When you see an oasis, you hope to be refreshed. When you see an oasis, you hope to, be, to escape the heat of the desert. But when they got to the o- oasis, no matter how verdant and green it was, the waters would have made them sick. It did not mean they were out of the will of God, but what was inside them, their complaining, their bitterness, their murmuring, suddenly it all came out. You see, God brings us to these places, as we said last week, and as I said at the first of the message, God brings us to these places to teach us lessons. God knew what was in their heart. Maybe Moses didn't know until this moment what was really in their heart, because up until this time, you know, once they crossed the Red Sea, Moses was a hero. But three days later, he's a zero in their sight, and they're complaining. So the people grumbled at Moses, saying, What shall we drink? Wouldn't it have been amazing if the people had gathered around Moses and says, Moses, let's pray together. Moses, let us lift your hands up in prayer. Moses we trust you. You've been following the Lord as we follow you. And, and they begin to intercede for their le- leader rather than criticize their leader. And so often people will turn on their leaders rather than praying and interceding. But Moses needed to know what was in their hearts. God needed them to know what was in their hearts. So God drew this out of them. And Moses, like I said, I believe this was desperation more than it was faith. I mean, You've got all these people out in the desert, men, women, children, cattle. You've got all of these people out there. And now there's this, maybe this mutiny, there's this rebellion. And Moses cries out, and the emphasis is there. He, he cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a tree, and he threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. And he made for them a statute and a regulation, and he tested them. Listen. Listen. Theologians are agreed that that tree was symbolic of Calvary. That tree was symbolic of how Christ would die upon the tree. Jesus dying upon that tree rattled the Jewish mindset in his day. Because the Jewish mindset in their day was, curse it, it's in the Bible, curse it is he who dies upon a tree. That's the reason it was such an insult to impale somebody on a tree or to impale somebody and lift them up. And, and that's why you see these, these different cultures in the Bible doing some of those gruesome things we read about in the Old Testament. And there Jesus hung upon a tree. Remember Judas, he sinned and he hung himself on a tree and, 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 and it broke. And, and he, when he committed suicide because he betrayed the Lord, if Judas had just waited instead of trying to force God into a box, but what was in Judas's heart came out, even though he had spent three years with Jesus. But Jesus died upon that tree. He took the bitterness of our sin. He took the curse of our sin upon himself. Now, that's important for healing as well, and I hope to illustrate that to you in the few minutes that I've got left here. Let's look at some unhealthy attitudes that lead to complaining. Number one, some people internalize. They won't actually complain out loud, but their spirits get bitter inside. They just keep it all, they're stewing inside. Some people repress it. They just go around and they repress it and they push it down. They push it down until suddenly something happens and there's a big blow up it's a all of a sudden you're dealing with things that maybe if somebody has been repressing anger with you or repressing you're dealing with things that you have no idea what they're talking about it has nothing to do with the problem at hand and by the way people who repress stuff they're being eat up on the inside just like the other person is That's internalizing but the difference is is when they blow up they typically blow up at other people. They damage relationships. They say things they can't take back. Those words, they hurt other people and they stick with them a long time. I dare dare say some of you listening tonight, there was a parent that said something to you you've never forgotten because it wounded your soul. But maybe they had repressed it for so long or there was a husband or there was a wife or there was a teacher, someone that just exploded at you. And they said some things That really wounded you. That's what repression does. It not only hurts you, but it hurts the other person. Some people just cover it up. And that's what the Bible calls hypocrisy. They've got a false smile on their face. They put a mask on in their face. Judas betrayed Jesus with a kiss. What a hypocritical thing to do. The the, the word hypocrite. Let me stop. I'm getting real fast here. The word hypocrite originally meant an actor. And so Judas was acting like he loved Jesus and he betrayed him with a kiss. It's one of the most poignant stories that we read during Holy Week when we look at how Judas betrayed the Lord. And some people just kind of cover it up and act like everything's okay, but inside they will put a knife in your back because they're bitter. Inside they're angry at the Lord and they're not faithful to the Lord. Some people fear They're afraid of whatever it is in life, and that fear begins to take an emotional and spiritual toll. And then some people, they will ruin their health by trying to prove themselves. Those are all the things that Jesus came to set us free from. The person that's still trying to prove his worth or prove her worth, the person that's trying to prove that they're successful or they can accomplish, rather than being able to relax in God's covenant love, Rather than being able to relax and do the best they can with what God has blessed them with, rather than being able to be who they are, they're constantly trying to prove or be someone that they're not. Friends, we need you just like you are. And the covenant that God gives to us frees us to be who God created us to be. We want you to be who you are. And what is the cure? It's what I've been leading to all night. The cross is the cure. The Lord showed him a tree. The cross is the cure. The Lord showed him a tree. He threw it into the waters, and the waters became sweet. Now just before you let that pass you by, you've got to think with me for a moment and hang with me. I've got just a few minutes left. But listen, this is so important. I I, I can't emphasize this enough. I, I want this table out of the way so I can just get right here in your face and tell you in love that when Jesus was hanging upon that tree and he said those words, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, Jesus plunged into the darkness. Jesus who left the throne room of heaven and was conceived in the womb of Mary by the word of God and brought forth in the virgin birth for those nine months in darkness and the safety and the security of the womb until he was brought forth into this world He was experiencing light. He was living in the light. He was the way, the truth, and the life. He was the light of the world. And then upon Calvary, the tree, the place where Jesus would make the bitterness of our lives sweet again. Jesus hung his head, and he died, and he plunged into darkness. He died upon that cross for you and for me. He experienced the darkness that sin brought upon this world. He experienced all the horror that brought sickness, and brought crime, and brought violence, and brought evil into our world. He experienced that for us. But the Bible says that when he comes, listen, he will open the ears of the excuse me. He will open the eyes of the blind, unplug the ears of the deaf the lame will leap like a deer, and those who cannot speak will sing for joy. Look at all those diseases that the Lord is healing. Look at all those sicknesses that Christ is healing there. But then look at this last sentence. This makes me want to jump up and down tonight. And springs will gush forth in the wilderness, and streams will water the wasteland. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! He turns the bitter water into sweet water. Somebody out, there saying amen or typing amen onto Facebook or YouTube tonight. He turns the bitterness into sweet water that waters the wastelands of our lives. Look with me at Mark 15, verse 33. And at noon, darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. And then at three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice. Now imagine three o'clock, the sun would have been shining. The birds would have been singing. Despite all the brutality happening on that hill, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Christ was abandoned so that you could enter in to the covenant of love that flows out of the heart of God. Don't you ever forget that. Don't you ever let somebody rob you of the joy that Christ purchased for you at Calvary. Don't you let somebody rob you of the meaning of what Calvary and Golgotha and what the cross is all about. For there Jesus went into darkness because the love of God was flowing out of his heart like sweet rushing water because, as the angel said, he will save his people from their sin. And when you see leprosy or cancer or heart disease or COVID or violence or any of the smut that's in this world today that hell has vomited out upon this planet, Jesus came to set us free from that. And he brought with him a gift of healing, not only of our bodies, but of our souls and our relationships. And in closing tonight, there are covenant conditions and promises. We'll talk more about that next week, but covenant conditions and promises. Conditions that you and I have to keep if we're going to inherit the promises. God brings us the gift, but the promises. There are some conditions like we talked about earlier in the message tonight. Let's look at the scripture, and then I'm going to wrap it up. If you will listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in His sight, obeying His commands, keeping all of His decrees, then I will not make you suffer any of the diseases I sent upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Say that with me. I am the Lord who heals you. That's one of those covenant redemptive names where God reveals who we are. I walk, you walk in the light and in the love of a God who heals. So what is he saying in this verse? Number one, listen carefully. Read your Bible daily. Look for promises. Look for commands to obey. Look for prophecies. Look for principles. Write those down. Pray them back to the Lord. If it's a promise, then pray that promise back to the Lord. It's not that you're standing on something legal and demanding. You don't have to do that. My children never had to demand anything from me. I can't demand anything from God anyway. But I love to pray His promises. They build my faith. So listen carefully to the word of the Lord. And the more you listen to the Bible, the more convinced I am you will hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Number two, obey God's commands. When you read a command, don't see it as something bad for you. It's good for you. Remember that lifestyle of help that the covenant brings to us. Those commands are good for us. That quarter pounder didn't hurt me last night, it was good. But it would have been a mistake for me to have broken my habit of good, healthy eating and went and got another one today. Because if I got another one today and it tasted so good, I would have been even more tempted to break it again on Friday. So it's important that we understand the power of habits. We talked about that earlier in the year on a Sunday morning. And then finally, keep his decrees. And I promise you, friends, you will begin to walk in a lifestyle of health. Because God has a covenant lifestyle for you. And this is a series that I'm doing on midweek services during this COVID crisis. Foundational for understanding the principle, the doctrine, the biblical doctrine of divine healing. I love to preach through the Bible. But sometimes we need to take and we need to look for how God reveals those systematic doctrines in the Bible, and that's what we're going to be doing for the next couple of weeks further. So join me in prayer right now, would you? Father, thank you so much for the gifts of healing. I have, Lord, a stack of prayer requests tonight, and we'll, we'll be praying about them as a church on Saturday. But I'm asking you right now, for those that are listening, that you will bring healing to their bodies, deliverance from sickness. And if they're not practicing a healthy lifestyle, then tonight, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, may they begin to embrace the covenant promises and embrace a healthy lifestyle, Lord, of prayer, keeping short accounts with you, short accounts with their family, Lord, being accountable, being encouraging, Lord, exercising, eating well, all those healthy things, Lord. Help us to do those things and keep you first in our life. For it's in Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. I'm so glad you joined me tonight. And The praise and worship team is gathering. They're getting ready for rehearsal, so I've got to go. But would you remember to tithe? Would you remember your offerings tonight? You can text 77977 to give to Woodland Church. You can go to woodland.church and click give. Also, Saturday here at the, at the church, would you be praying for our ladies? There's a huge ladies event happening right outside in the parking lot this, this coming Saturday. I'm so excited about that. Watch for our daily prayer updates on my Facebook page. Also, join us for the Saturday night prayer service and be with us at 10 or 1130 on Sunday morning. Someone today asked me, I said, Pastor, are we having services on Sunday? And I said, absolutely, we've been having them. So come at 10 or 1130. The 1130, there's a lot more room in the 1130 service. So if you're worried about being around people, You know, you might want to come to the 1130 service and join us. And there's so much more I want to tell you about, but I need to go. God bless you. The Lord bless you. Keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Give you a wonderful night's rest and help you to practice a covenant lifestyle of health. Good night.